0: following is a message at Living Savior Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. To learn more, go to lsavior.org. Is there someone or something that you follow? If you're like the rest of the vast majority of mankind and you have a smartphone, odds are you follow someone or something, whether it's something on social media that you follow, maybe your favorite YouTube channel. Maybe there's a podcast or two or ten that you follow. When you hit that little checkmark button and you get every single update, that's something that you follow. And, and maybe if it's something that's not necessarily online or a newsletter that you receive in your inbox, which would be another example of something that you follow, maybe it's a, a book, an author, a type of genre of literature that you follow. When the next book gets published, or maybe you're working through a a series that an author has written that you follow, you pick up one right after the other. Now, to have a following means something different in the last 10, 20 years than it did maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago. If you had a following 30, 40, 50 years ago, that wasn't always a positive thing. Sometimes it was spoken of in a negative context if you look at the way that it was used, and even before the dawning of the internet if there if you had a following that would mean maybe you had a crowd a posse as it were of people maybe that you hung around with in your town or at work etc but to have a following today is something that's entirely different you see today if you have a following especially a following that is noteworthy where you don't only have hundreds but maybe thousands or more people following you you're an influencer you're a leader You have something to offer this world under the great and grand umbrella of some type of wisdom, whether it's practical wisdom on cooking or cleaning or time management, or whether it's some type of health or wellness, like mental or emotional wealth, or or excuse me, health, or whether it's something else related to business or finance. If a person has a following, they are a leader, which is quite interesting when you consider what following means and what wisdom is viewed as in our culture and in our context today, and the way the Bible typically talks about wisdom and following. To put it simply, if you are wise, people follow you. We wouldn't in our context and in our day and age say that if you are really wise and are considered to be respected and wise today, you follow others. It's usually the other way around. If you're wise, you have a following, not the other way around. But the Bible talks about wisdom the other way around. Namely, if you are wise, you're a follower. Correctly understood. I mean, think about it. Don't ask me. Ask the wisest man who ever lived by the name of King Solomon. What does he say in one of those those most famous Proverbs? If you open up, and I encourage you to flip through Proverbs, he gives all of these golden nuggets of wisdom. But one of the most famous ones, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of You've heard this before. And that's just the beginning of wisdom. But to have the fear of the Lord, that means you respect, revere, and trust in and will follow him. That's just the beginning of wisdom. To be truly wise means you follow. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount towards the end in Matthew chapter 7, he describes two different builders. There's a foolish builder who built his house on sand, and then the wise builder builds his house on rock and the illustration of course is you're going to build your house your life your soul your eternity on something don't make it sand that is here today but doesn't last through the storms make it something that is rock like like your Savior Jesus but that means you would know who that is based on what he says in his word you see the way that even the Apostle Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 he says the foolishness of God is wiser Than man's wisdom in other words in order to know what true wisdom is you're not going to look out in this world you're not even going to trust what you hear in here or in here but rather recognize that to be foolish in a lot of respects certainly in every eternal respect and follow what God says and it might look like foolishness to the world but look at the world so if you're truly wise according to the world you have a following but if you're wise according to God you're a follower. Is that not exactly what we see from these men called wise men in the gospel reading that Vicar just shared from Matthew chapter 2? So the question that I have for you is, if you are a wise person, if you want to grow in wisdom, are you sure that you know how to do that for yourself? Not just as we are already almost two weeks into a brand new year, but as you approach every single day and week and month and year, In your entire life, this wisdom is something we want to grow in, but if you truly do want to grow in wisdom, then that means you're going to have to know the type of following you're going to have to practice. And the wise men help us out with at least three kinds in the Gospel reading today. I invite you to have that open. To be truly wise men and women and children means that we will be truly good at following. Well, how so? Well first of all, let's analyze the type of men that these wise men were. Who who are these guys? For a whole host of reasons, we should say, and I've listened to plenty of sermons on this text, we should say that there is a vast majority that we don't know definitively speaking about the wise men. But can we ask some questions and based on the limited information we have, can we come to some reasonable explanations? some better-than-possibilities type of answers to who these wise men were? I think so. First of all, it says that they come from the East, and the only place where we hear of magi or wise men elsewhere in Scripture is, well, you got to rewind about four or five hundred years to the time B- before four or five hundred years before these wise men to the time of Daniel. Daniel was carried off in exile after Babylon came and wrecked everything and carried off the best and brightest. Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, yes, yeah, same Daniel, he was made to be the chief, like the chairman, el presidente of this think tank known as the magi or wise men. So, so who were these guys and what did they do? Well, when it came to things like the smart practices of economy and the well-being of society, and civil structures, etc. Yes. They were astronomers and astrologers kind of mixed up too. Yes. They, looking at a star, that, that's a no-brainer. But also they considered the religions of the world too. So maybe there's a question we could consider. Although scripture doesn't definitively say, could we suggest that maybe as Daniel is chairing a meeting or two, a gathering or two, several discussions over the years of religions, do you think the prophet Daniel is willing to face a lion or two or ten? Might be unafraid to share some of God's word and among all the things that he would share from God's word, maybe some of the promises or prophecies that preceded him by a thousand years prophecies that God used to and through Moses that would talk about how there would be one day a star that would arise and would signify the coming of the Savior, the Messiah, the anointed one who would save his people and be a light to all. Is that quite reasonable? I think so. We can ask Daniel for sure when we get there. But even over the centuries, as they hang on to these things and are studying the stars above and their meaning, does that not help us understand a little bit about these wise men, this think tank, kind of like the cabinet to the president? A little bit. But what do we also learn? That no matter how smart they were, no matter how much they carried that label as wise men, they were still searching for something which teaches us something that we already know about this world, doesn't it? That no matter how smart the world might be and no matter how wise we might get, at the end of the day, you're still going to be left searching for something. Does the world give you everything that you need? All the wisdom you want? All the smarts you're searching for? All the brains you beckon for? Nope. Nope. Look at every single person who has a following and is considered wise in this world, and they are some of the most lost souls around, searching for things that even the children among us know so well. Who's smart now? You can have all the wisdom in the world. You'll still be left searching, which is quite informative for us as we consider our lives, is it not? Who are you following? What are you reading? What are you pursuing? What are you listening to? Things that help you with worldly wisdom? Great! Good! This is not the beginning of the part of the sermon where the pastor tells you that every answer to every way that you live in life can only be answered by the Bible. No, 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 no. That's not the purpose of the Bible. Yes, the Bible gives you the grandest information that God gives about salvation, but as far as how best to tie your shoes, kids, or how to organize your garage, pursue worldly wisdom. It is a gift from God. I will repeat again. Worldly wisdom is a gift From God. And all God's people said, Amen. But if that's what we're going to be hoping for and leaning upon and resting all of our life on, you're still going to be left searching. Because so much in this world will never give you what only God can give you. Don't take my word for it. Look at the wise men who sit there searching and looking. Because even though they are considered the smartest around, wise men that can stir up a city, they're still searching. And then when that star appeared, they went. Which teaches us something else, doesn't it? For all the ways that we are searching, struggling with identity, validation, our own assessment and that of the people whom we respect because we want their opinion of us to prove that we are respectable, yes, of all the ways that we are searching, finally, finally at the end of the day, look no farther than the direction that God gives because it will lead you to the only one who can give you the answers that this world can't give. The only one who will give you wisdom that is entirely outside of this world, wisdom, yes, that this world can't give, wisdom also that this world cannot take away. So what do these wise men then do? They follow this star and look to the place where that leads them. But first we should probably say, what is this star? What, what is this star? Is this something that God created, like a brand new star? Is this a star that he plucked out of some deep corner in the universe and decided to use it like a little kid uses a little ninja toy? Is this uh, some light, some like glorified spotlight, like from a, an, an actor scene type thing? Is this, what is this? For Again, of all the things we don't know, what we can say is this. Just as a little child can move a checker on a checkerboard as easily, God who made every star and every planet and every constellation and makes all of those things function because he is the creator, then he can use his creation just as easily as a kid can you move a checker on a checkerboard. And so this is small potatoes for God. In other words, we're not going to get into the theorizing like, was this some type of other natural type? No. God caused a star somehow to direct these people from afar to see the Savior for them. And where does it lead them first? Look carefully. It doesn't go to Bethlehem right away. Where does it lead them first? It leads them to Jerusalem. It leads them right to the place where they will no longer listen to the think tank voices around them. No longer start plugging into society and culture to see what type of cultural norms that need to inform them. No, where do they li- what do they listen to first? They get to hear God's word. Is it not fascinating that God could have taken them with that star straight to Jesus? But he doesn't. But he doesn't. The banners above kind of fool you. See the wise men over here, and then there's the star. I mean, it works for nice banners in church, but when they're traveling, the star leads them where? To Jerusalem. Why? Because God has decided to always work this way, to bring people first to the place where they can hear God's word. Even though Herod had it at his disposal, he's among those that are lost in darkness, as Isaiah said. Even though those scribes had it, they are among those that are lost in darkness. The whole city is stirred because the wise men come in. We're not he- we don't hear that the whole city is stirred because everybody can't wait to go see Jesus the next day and the next day and the next day. How did news maybe spread from the shepherds in the months and years to follow before however long it took for those wise men to get there? We don't know. But of all the things we can say, They, Jerusalem, had God's word at their disposal. And are they moving? Are they the ones overjoyed? No, these men who are referred to as wise. Why? They're in the right place to hear the right voice of God's word instead of listening to the foolishness that's out there. And so it is with you. Where are you right now? I know. This is kind of like one of those no-duh moments of the sermon because it's like I know that you know that I know that you know why we're all here. And what is that reason? Just to be sure. It's because you're here to be in the place where God's word is put on full display more clearly and more evidently than anywhere else in all the world. Yes, that happens when you're at home and you're in God's word. Yes, that happens when you're praying over scripture as you're reading it for your daily spiritual diet, yes. But here it is on full display in a way that looks different and sounds intentionally different. So that you can do what? Hear from God himself the words that he has been sharing with his people to do what? To reveal something that is far greater than the wisdom of this world, his son. And you don't just get to see the place where he's born. You get to experience all the blessings that only God can give to you. Full disclosure, and what are those? In God's word, he connects you to salvation. He, in fact, creates faith in your heart to make you a child of God, eternally wise and a family member for all eternity. You get to hear God's word on full display. God's not holding back as he tells you the administration of his grace that you together with his chosen people are now heirs, inheritors of eternal life. That's you. That's for you. That you now have this different identity than trying to aspire to the, to the labels of this world, but are truly wise for salvation because of what God gives in his word. Full disclosure, he opens up this otherwise secret file and gives it to you. Why? Not just so you would be informed in your brain, but because God's word is not just information, it is the power of God to transform your heart and life so you'd belong to him now and forever. It is no wonder then that since God always works this way, bringing people to his word, that's where we find our Savior. First, that you not only hear it, when someone functioning only as a, as a mouthpiece of God says, I say to you what God says, your sins are forgiven. That's from God himself saying that to you. That you, you get to remind yourself that the word of God was connected to that water, that the very name of God was put over you, so your identity is now you belong to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That when God's word, his own promise is connected to bread and wine, you receive no holding back from God himself the very things that he used to pay for your sins. Christ's body and blood connected in a miraculous way to the bread and wine so you would be forgiven. No shadow of a doubt, you get Jesus. All of it. He brings them first to hear the word, the right place, the right message, and he's given you the same. So then that means there's a great challenge then with all the voices that are vying for your attention. Because we're what, less than two weeks in and how many voices are already vying for your attention? Not just mental, not just monetary attention, but your spiritual attention too, right? That leads us then to the third way that they, these wise men truly are wise as followers. The star moves. And what do they do? Yawn. No, they are overjoyed. I mean, imagine they come for how long and how far and set aside their time. Their lives go on pause. Do they leave behind their family? There's most certainly more than just three of them commonly signified because of the three gifts. There's a huge commotion that stirs a city and all of the while, the star now moves to the specific place. They are overjoyed. And when the heart that has been led away and led to grace, to hear God's word, and you go specifically to the Savior. Now, in what way do they follow? They can't help but have that joy that overflows pour out now in presenting gifts. Could you imagine what Mary and Joseph look like? I mean, you have a baby, and let's say the baby's a couple months old and someone drops, drops off a brand new car as a baby gift. Your mind would be blown. Here's all expense-paid vacation for your family in two years when you, when you can kind of handle the little guy a little bit better uh, to go to the Caribbean. Your jaw would drop. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, these are gifts you would only give to a king and his new prince. What was Mary doing? Adding these to the countless treasures that she had pondered up in her heart? Most certainly. What was Joseph doing? Just like shaking his head like, yep, add it to the list. Add it to the list. What can you say? Here goes God again. Who knows? We can ask him when we get to heaven. But these are huge things that flow from what? A heart of worship. Do you know that each and every one of us are hardwired to worship someone or something? Think about it. Worship, by definition, is you're ascribing worth to someone or something. Does that happen on the sports field? Have you ever been to a little kid's basketball, baseball, or football game? Mm hmm. Have you ever been to a professional game where everybody is standing, cheering? Sometimes they wave their hands. They're ascribing worth to something. It's not to say that that's wrong. But it is to say that we're hardwired to do that, to find our identity and to ascribe worth to that source of identity. Whether it's a team, whether it's a concert, a a band, a type of music, whether it's a a political party, whether it's, we are hardwired for that. And of all of those things, they will never be for us what only God can be for us. And so, what do these wise men do? They follow this hardwired mechanism in their hearts to find the greatest reality and the greatest result of this heart of worship as they give their greatest gifts to the Savior of all. And God has given that to you. You are hardwired to worship. If you don't, you might not see it in your life, but there will be some things that start to bubble up that you don't like. Things that you recognize to be missing and off. Because we are hardwired to not just be in the presence of others, but to worship God, to direct this worth in the right place of the one who will never leave us, never disappoint, and always give us what we need in life and in eternity. And these wise men prove that they follow that to the right place as God had directed, and so have you. And might I dare suggest, so should we. So should we. Since we are designed for that, then that is something that we not only need, then the benefits and the blessings from it God also gives. Yes, it is good, best to give in service of the gospel. It is best to give in service to others. It is best to give to others mutual encouragement that can't be had unless we're here. It is best to ascribe that worth in the right place so that we don't think that we can find it somewhere else. This is another grand and glorious way that these men show to be wise. are shown to be wise. They follow their heart's mechanism for worship, and are blessed because of it. A week or so ago, you could look up Google reviews. And not Google reviews of things, but Google in the year-in review of all the things that people searched for the most. I glanced for about a minute and then I needed to close that down. Mostly because it just kind of leads to all of the stories you probably could imagine. But of all the things that people are searching for, one thing that could be said, a lot of summary statements you might surmise, have added if you want to look at those things, one thing that came to my mind. You know what? All these things that people are searching for ultimately identify longings or a type of following that we have innately. And you know what? What do we end up getting from following any of those things that are searched for the most? Well, You, dear brothers and sisters, wise men, wise women, wise children, know this. That what makes you truly wise is not that you're an influencer or you have smarts. What makes you truly wise is that you follow. You follow when you know that the world will only leave you searching. You follow what God gives, which is greater. You follow when you know the right place to be and the right voices to listen to when it comes to God's word, not the voices of this world. You follow the intuition of your heart to know where where true worth is found in Christ and not in yourselves or anyone else. And by following, by following in those ways, that doesn't just make these guys wise men. That makes you wise men, women, and children. Amen.